Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. If I bleed tonight, if I am sad Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of the Power Slam podcast here, wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Kerry McIntosh, I'm joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin and Finn. We just recorded our Rebellion 2002 review for Patreon and we survived. Yeah, well we're still recovering. Yeah, we're still recovering. You know, but I mean happily what we're going to be talking about today is a hell of a lot better than what we were, sorry, what we're talking about now is a hell of a lot better than what we were talking about 10 minutes ago. So our mood should be more upbeat. Our mood should be more up, upbeat. Well, I did want to bring up, though, before, you know, we're going to talk about a little bit about Raw, uh, bring up the Nick Aldis thing as well. But um, you put on your Facebook today that today, as we record this on Wednesday, November 9th, is the 25th anniversary of the Montreal Double Cross. And you posted a photo of... Issue 41 of Power Slam from November 27th, 1997, where you covered the most famous uh, match in wrestling. In, yeah, in... yeah, I'd say it's the most famous match for the last 30 years. I mean, possibly, you could be argued it's the most famous match of, of like, I don't know, the last 30 or 40 years. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, I think Andre and Hogan is probably more famous. But I mean, Brett, Sean is definitely number two on the list because you know, of its ramifications and the fact that so much has been written about it, so many documentaries have been done about it. I mean, how many times has it been discussed on podcasts and in interviews and on TV shows? I mean, endlessly. No doubt lots of people will be uh, revisiting it today just as we are now. 
Well, I did want to ask you just one question about uh, the issue about issue forty one because I remember at the time in nineteen ninety seven when I was twelve that like I've, I've said this before, you know, Shawn Michaels came out on the the raw after Survivor Series. I wasn't really sure what had happened, um, and I'd uh, I remember Jr. on commentary said Bret Hart has left the World Wrestling Federation, but it wasn't really till Power Slam came out that I really got the full story of what was going on. Was there a, like from your perspective, did you understand the sort of gravitas for a lot of people that this was going to be the way that you know most wrestling fans in the UK were going to find out what happened? Like, was that played on your mind when you were writing it, or did that not come into it? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was the reason why I went with that cover picture of Bret Hart. I quit, um, and um, yeah, I mean, it was how else was it going to be uh, explained in any great detail? I mean. Was it how long did Vince took a week off, didn't he? And he came back the following week yes. with his famous Brett screwed Brett speech, and he still had the black eye. So I mean, we got his version of events in that pre-recorded interview on Raw, but I mean that didn't really, unless you understood what had happened, that only really heightened the sense of confusion and bewilderment because he didn't really say what had happened because he couldn't. Because, I mean, kayfabe was still sort of hanging on. I mean, to this day, I mean, it's, I mean, I know we do get hints and people do say certain things on TV show now, wrestling TV shows now, where they make it clear that it is a work, inadvertently usually, but certainly back in 1997, no one was going to come out and say that you know, in the in the context or in the parameters of a wrestling TV program, no one was going to say that what's going on is not real. He's he's not a real sporting contest. I mean, that just didn't happen. So um, yeah, I mean, we covered it, or I covered it in Power Sam at the time, and um, it was a huge story. And uh, I mean, Power Sam wasn't really you know a kayfabe free zone by that point either. I should point out. So I had to be very careful how I wrote up what had occurred that day. Um, but I mean, it actually wasn't as difficult as you might think because you could write that, you know, Brett hadn't lost and that Sean hadn't beaten him, which was true. So in some ways, what had happened had actually actually made it easier to write about it as it genuinely, legitimately did go down um, because someone else had decided that Sean had won the match and Brett had clearly not tapped out. So even if you're looking at it with your kayfabe goggles on, you could see that something strange had occurred that day. Mm -hmm. um, and um, But straight, but it, you didn't actually, if you actually explained what happened, in a sense, you didn't really break kayfabe. Or in the context of Power Slam at the time, it was within the parameters of how we covered pro wrestling, that something odd had happened there. Um, but um, yeah, it was, I remember it clearly. I remember writing about it and I remember everyone was talking about it, Kenny. Everyone was talking about it. I mean, everybody, oh, did, what, did you see what do you think happened? Every phone call, it was the first topic of conversation. And there was all these conspiracy, conspiracy theories going around of what really happened, who was in on it. You know, had Brett really got into a fight with Vince and what had really been said backstage and the details slowly but surely leaked out. Yeah, You've got to remember, Kenny, the internet was a thing by then. I had the internet. Some people had it. There were quite a lot of wrestling websites out there uh, that reported 
what had, what had gone down in Montreal on November 9th. So there was a lot of information out there. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I for, for me being twelve, I remember you know because people at school would talk about wrestling or whatever. But there, there was for me, it was more like ninety nine, two thousand that the internet started become where people were looking at news sites all the time and they yes. became more of a thing. Yes, because in ninety seven, I feel like you were you were still the source, like you were the one that you know people were gonna. And there's a lot of people who consume Power Slam who I'm sure were the same way. Um, and yes, yeah, to me. As a as a as a fan and a reader of Power Slam, it's definitely to me one of the top five most important issues that you ever did. Yeah, I think so as well. And um, it was I remember you know we covered it obviously on the hotline. You know we did very well out of. <laughs> you know, you probably, got, probably got some money out of me for that as well. Yeah, yeah, we did very well out of that story, and um, you know, so the hotlines were a big thing as well at the time. Um, but yeah, Power Slam's coverage of it was it was very considered the way it was written. And we obviously covered Survivor Series. We had a photographer there and we called the piece Conspiracy Theory. Uh, I think it was actually a Mel Gibson film. Uh, come out <laughs> called Conspiracy Theory. I think that's right. And so, uh, and uh, yeah, but I mean, it was massive. I mean, the issue did well. I think it was our bestseller ever up until that point, Power Slam. And um, coming off issue 40, which would, which had, you know, been a supplement issue, a big promoted issue. Um, this was a tremendous follow-up to issue 40 because we picked up some new readers uh, with issue 40. And of course, everybody wanted to know what had happened at Survivor Series. Um, and, you know, obviously WWF magazine wasn't going to give an impartial view. And there were other wrestling magazines around at the time. But I mean, there was none really that were doing Power Slam style coverage. So if you wanted to know what had happened, you needed to buy Power Slam. And I thank everyone who did. Uh, well, listen, before we talk about Raw, I did just want to bring up the quick, uh, strange situation with Nick Aldis and the NWA. Um, so it, it came out the other day that he is now, he's not, he's he's leaving in January. He's not, really, yeah. uh, you know, staying on with them, following his contract. And then sort of, he said he was frustrated with the creative direction and all this kind of stuff. And then within 24 hours, the NWA have suspended him. Um you know, there's chat that he isn't really happy with how they dealt with Mickey James because obviously she was very influential in doing that Empower show that they did last year. Yeah, um, I mean, it feels like if Nick Aldis is leaving the NWA, then that's he was kind of their guy. He was their. So I guess my question is, what do you think of the story? And if he was to go somewhere else, is there anywhere you think he would be a good fit, or what's his next move? Uh, well, I'm not really sure. I mean, I don't think WWE rates him. Um, I think I know Bruce Pritchard has commented before on on him, and I don't think they really rate him as a wrestler. So, and like, how old is he now? He was twenty. I think what would it be now? Be about thirty six, maybe. I mean, he's still. I think he's about that old. Can you look I'm, that up? I'm looking up right now. I think he's yeah. about, about thirty six, thirty seven, something like that. He is thirty six. He, he just turned thirty six uh, three days ago. Oh right, well that was a that was a good guess, a good estimate. So I mean, he's still young enough to go there if they want him. And um, but I mean, I don't know whether they do. And I remember I was asked about this a while ago in Q and A in the magazine, and my theory was if he was going to go to WWE, it would have already happened. It would have happened probably around the time he left um, TNA, which was maybe twenty. 15, 16, I think it was. 
Um, I know he's been back since, but I think that was around the time he left. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not really sure. I mean, he's done some stuff with AEW, hasn't he? Um, I mean, he dropped the NWA world title to Cody Rhodes, didn't he, if you remember, mm-hmm. Kenny? Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, I think, I mean, as far as I'm aware, um, you know, AEW definitely was interested in him at one point. Um, but I think, you know, he was obviously, he was doing the NWA stuff. And I think he felt a kind of loyalty to them for for that being kind of something that propelled him for a while. Um, yeah. So, I mean, the good the good thing about Nick Aldis is he's not like everybody else. Like he's an old school type, he carries himself like an old school type wrestler. So if he goes somewhere where they're willing to kind of give him some time, I think I think he could do well. I mean, even if he if I were him and WWE said come to NXT, I would go. Oh yeah, I would as well. Absolutely. I think, I think he could do really well there, and I think he could if he went to NXT. I think within six months they'd be like, yeah, we we should just bring this guy to Raw SmackDown. Um, not saying he's going to be a headliner, but I think he would definitely be someone they could use. Um, who's who's just a bit different than everyone else. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, the thing is, if I was him as well, and um, I mean, look at you know LA Knight, you know, I mean, Eli, Eli Drake, you know, he was like he went through the NXT system, and he was a veteran at that point. And it's like you've got to, you know, as Seamus says when it comes to his workouts, you've got to check your ego at the door. And it's like, do you want to get on or do you not want to get on in pro wrestling? And if you're going in there with an attitude, oh, I'm better than NXT, I'm already a developed act, I shouldn't have to go through NXT, I should be straight to the main roster like AJ Styles. And if they don't think you're you're, you're that guy, then, but you are offered a developmental or a, you know NXT gig, then take it and prove prove your worth to them. So um, yeah, if they offer him a job there, and I and I was him, if if I was him and I was offered a job by WWE with NXT, I would grab it with both hands, no question. And I'd say I'm happy for the opportunity, and I'm I'll be delighted to show you what I can bring to your company. You know the the value that I can add to NXT, and then one day main roster WWE. Uh, well, listen, let's move on to Raw from Monday night. Um, obviously, let's just start with the big story because it's the one that everyone's talking about. Uh, Austin Theory uh, at the end of the show um, ends up cashing in his Money in the Bank contract on Seth Rollins. Now Rollins had issued an open challenge on the show, and uh, we'd also seen um, and and. Uh, Mustafa Ali had appeared in the big screen, but Bobby Lashley had beaten him up. Lashley yeah. comes out, and he starts battering Rollins. Um, and after Lashley had sort of left, you know, Rollins lay, and this was when Theory runs out, and he cashes in. They have like a five-minute match, and Theory has it won until Bobby Lashley pulls him out, and uh, he beats up Theory, throws him at the barricade, runs him at the post, puts the heart lock on him, and then uh, Theory is able to get back into the ring at the nine count after he's kind of got got his wits about him again, and Rollins just hits the stomp and is able to crawl over, covering one, two, three. This has been a very widely panned, uh, not decision, but the way that it played out, I think people are quite frustrated by it. Um, What did you think about the way that they did it um, and how it played out? Um, I mean... I read the criticism before I watched the match and there were people saying, that's it, Theory's sandowed, he's corbined, you know, 
he's he's been ruined <laughs> it's like it might as well have been given the Cena treatment and his careers as a top guy is over um i mean i don't know why they did this i think it was possibly because they felt that the money in the bank briefcase was becoming a ball and chain around theories ankles becoming problematic you know it clearly was never going to cash in on roman I mean, we know that there was just no way that Theory was going to cash in and beat Roman. And Roman's got these other stories. I mean, there was that. Did you hear that uh, comment that The Rock made? Kenny dropped a hint, didn't he, about saying that he's the head of the tail? Did you catch that one? I did. I did. I think. I think it's still definitely in play at the moment that it could happen. So happy days. Yeah. So I mean, even if that doesn't happen. I mean, it could be Reigns versus Sami Zayn at WrestleMania. I mean, that sounds outrageous, but possibly it could be. I mean, I think there'd be huge support for Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, Sorry, huge huge support for Zayn at WrestleMania. That does sound outrageous to even imagine that that could be a WrestleMania main event. Mm -hmm. Who could have predicted that Sami Zayn would have gotten gotten as over as he has and that this weird storyline with the bloodline would become like the biggest thing in wrestling. I mean, not me. So this whole thing with theory, I just feel like they thought, you know, we've got to get the case off him because this is just, it's become a distraction. It's just holding him back. We've got to just dispense with this so we can start again with him. That's what I think the goal of all this is. Um, But I mean... To me, it's like, I think I would have rather that Theory had maybe gone back to NXT early next year and maybe cashed in on Bron Breaker before Breaker was called up to the main roster. I think that could have been a huge thing and it could have really propelled Breaker to the main roster as well. I think it could have been used more constructively than it has been. I don't think Theory is ruined beyond repair because, I mean... Um, you know, Rollins, of course, was out there for his US title open challenge. As you said, Ali was going to accept. Then Lashley destroyed Ali. Then Lashley went to the ring and absolutely blasted Rollins, ended up choke slamming, choke slamming him through a table. Then Austin Theory came out and uh, he beat Rollins down and he had him pinned. We should point this out. Theory hit A-Town down and appeared to have the match won on Rollins. Yeah, until Lashley returned to ringside, dragged the referee out of the ring, and then rammed Theory into the ring post twice, punished him with the hurt lock, threw him into the barrier, just so it destroyed him. And it looked like for a moment that Theory would be counted out. And he just beat the 10 count got in the ring, and then Rollins had recovered by this point, and he nailed Theory with a stomp. Rollins pinned Theory to retain the US title, so the cash-in failed. And yes, this is where we now are. So I think it's what happens next with Austin Theory that's important. You know, I think he can absolutely be resurrected from this. You know, people are saying his career's dead, he's finished. I don't think he is. Um... I mean, I don't really agree with what they did. I think there was a lot. I think there were various other ways they could have played this that wouldn't have put left theory in the position that he's in, which is definitely a weakened state. So he now needs to be rebuilt. But I think he can be rebuilt. Uh, I don't think it's over for him by any means. Uh, But yeah, very odd, Kenny. 
I mean, really, Austin Theory is like, you know, the number one, the biggest casualty, with the exception of Lacey Evans, hmm. of Vince's retirement. Because Theory was Vince's big project, wasn't he? Yeah, and that comes with uh, you know, that's that that comes with baggage because you know Triple H is maybe not going to want to seem like he's just pushing the status quo. I mean, for me with this, I'm in two minds. I thought the segment was very well done for what it was, but I think where it really falls down is that why would Austin Theory cash in on a title he's already held like two months ago or whatever it was? It doesn't really make any sense. Well, I mean, I think. Partly because the US title is now the number one title that's exclusive to Raw. Yeah, but I think I mean to me it's like he's held that before. You know, and he's so, and he's talked yeah, about how, you know, oh I wanna I wanna win this. I, he's his his story for the last two months has been I wanna hold the, the undisputed title, I wanna hold the NXT title by his you know, T's appearance. But I think that the thing is people are quite rightly, I think, worried for theory because when Vince used to have somebody lose money in the bank, it was kind of a kiss of death for them. Yeah. He never recovered. Sandow, Corbin, remember that guy John Cena? He lost as well. Never <laughs> won another match again. Um, <laughs> Baron Corbin actually had a really funny tweet where he said, welcome to the club theory. It's a, a distinct club that was started that uh, is headed up by John Cena. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, look, yeah, it, it all depends what they do next. But I think what you, we yeah. can definitely see is that Triple H does not see Austin Theory as his guy. That is not what he sees him as. That doesn't mean that he doesn't see him as anything, but he certainly doesn't see him as his guy based on how he booked him here. And usually you can get a good handle for how people are perceived by how they're booked in wrestling. And I think that. This just shows that Triple H probably doesn't feel like he's in a position where he's ready. I don't I don't think he's ready to be world champion either. No. And I'm with you. I kind of think the idea of taking it off, my, I'm not that upset about it because I don't think he should be the champ. But I think that there was so many better ways to do it than this. But the, the one, one of the positives coming out of it is going to be Lashley's heel turn here because he kind of had to turn heel because... You know, people were cheating Seth anyway because of the song and, you know, they respect him for sort of putting Cody over and putting Edge over and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this was a good way for for Lashley just to kind of get that mean streak on and sort of, you know, start wrecking people. So maybe that's something. But um, I think Theory is... It's going to be an interesting few months to see where Triple H places Theory in the, in, in the company. It is. I mean... I mean, I'm curious to see if he's going to take a week off next week. Probably he will, because that's typically what happens when someone has taken a huge loss, mm-hmm. is that there needs to be a little bit of distance between the loss and then the return and, you know, the big statement victory or the big statement in the promo. But yeah, I think, you know, whatever happens next with Theory, I'm not saying it's going to be make or break because he's talented enough to, I think, to really overcome almost anything given time and the right booking. But it'd be interesting to see what he says and what he does when he next appears on TV. And that's, I think, going to give us, yeah, a really good sort of feel for where he goes next. If, and you're maybe now- Austin, if you're a fan of Austin Theory, I think the one thing you can take away as a positive that Triple H isn't just completely down on him and has no use for him is he wouldn't have been given that moment that he had the match won. No. No, definitely not. I mean, he was protected on the loss. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it's what happens next that matters rather than this. And maybe the whole purpose of this is to reinvent theory and like, right, the, you know, the money in the bank thing was, you know, symptomatic of him being Vince's guy. And now he's no longer associated with that. Triple H can sort of reinvent him as his guy. I mean, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, whatever he does next will be vitally crucial to um, to to his success story or, or, or the reverse of a success story um, in, you know, this next phase or next stage of his career. I think that's very important. What he does next is crucially important. And yes. uh, like, say if he appears a role week on Monday and then loses... Well, if I was theory and if that is what occurs next, then I really would be worried. But if he comes back with a really strong promo and a really big win and some interesting, you know, creative, then I think he's going to be all right. Well, listen, we've got about five minutes left. And usually I decide what we talk about on Raw, but I want to throw to you, what, give, me the, give me another couple of things from Raw that were noteworthy for you for either, you know, being good progression or head scratching. What, what stuck yeah. out to you? Right, well, uh, Damage Control is, uh, is trying to recruit or has recruited Nikki Cross, who is, of course, demented. Uh, Cross <laughs> ended up defeating Dana Brooke in a match so flat. You know, it, it belonged on Rebellion 2002 <laughs> to win the uh, 24-7 title from Dana. And then hilariously, backstage afterwards, she's walking along, looking at the ceiling. I mean, what was on the ceiling? I mean, I just don't know something very interesting on the ceiling. And then Nikki was supposed to throw the 24-7 title in the bin and miss the bin. <laughs> I mean, it's just brilliant. I mean, somehow enhanced the comedy value, the fact that she missed the bin with the belt. <laughs> you know, the line is that it's that the 24-7 title belt is not even good enough for the bin. But like I, we we wholeheartedly endorse that being its new home. That's it, the discontinuation of it. I mean, recycle responsibly. Take it to the scrap metal section at the local tip. That's what I say. <laughs> so we've learned that it's going to be sadly um, damage control versus Bianca, um, Asuka, and Alexa Bliss in the war games. Nikki Cross will be on the heel team. Um, so it's one be more five... and two more baby faces to fight. Yeah, it's five versus five. So I'm hoping Becky Lynch is going to return to save the save the day for the faces because um, I'm not interested in seeing Bianca versus Bailey again. I mean, Bailey was crestfallen you know, on the show when she was doing commentary. She seemed so deflated, and so she should have done because she obviously didn't defeat Bianca at Crown Jewel, and we. We've already reviewed the match, so we don't need to go over that again. I'm sure she's disappointed about you know the way in which that played out. So yeah, that was another of the big stories. Um and yeah, the they debut of Mia Yim. Mia Yim right, to counteract Rhea Ripley. I, I I did see someone say, Oh, what if in the war games match it's gonna be Candice LeRae and Mia Yim as Bianca and Alexa and Asuka's partners? I was going, Oh god, I hope it's a bit I hope there's somebody a bit more excited than that team. You know, we always love a wee mystery partner. And I just don't yeah. think Candace and Mia are the, the are, you know, they can get some heat, build them up to, to be exciting, but they're not quite there just yet. Yeah, they're the people who get beaten down to set up the stars coming in to make yeah. the save. Now, they're not the stars making the save. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully Becky Lynch will return 
uh, for war games. Uh, and also in the opening segment, we had uh, New Day and Jimmy and Jay. And actually a really good promo battle, I thought, with them talking yeah. about what they went through to be taken, to gain acceptance, to be taken seriously, to become stars in the WWE system. And I thought that was a really good push for the title match on SmackDown this Friday. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, the the one thing on Raw that I think is, is I mean, the Johnny Gargano stuff is is difficult to watch. Like, this guy was so funny in NXT, right? Like, he was he was in the way. It was so good. But this comedy just is not clicking for me. Is it clicking for you? No, it isn't. I mean, the problem is that, you know, the Miz has got no heat. So he's, as a heel, you just can't take him seriously. And I think Johnny Gargano needs a strong heel to work with. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, because he is a good babyface character. We know this. I mean, he was really good in NXT, um, but it's like, you know, your hero is only as good as your villain, like in your comic book, uh, in your comic book comics and your comic book um, movies. So, I mean, the sooner Johnny Gagano just is detached from the Miz, the better. I mean, they tried really hard in the match, loads of near falls, but people just weren't really that interested and this whole Dexter Loomis thing, they just need to, you know, race this thing to its conclusion, Kenny, as soon as possible. Indeed, indeed. Well, listen, that is kind of the, the, the gist of what's going on right now in WWE. Next week, we will probably have much more of a, um idea of where the women's war games is heading. And also, I'm assuming the bloodline will maybe tell us something about the men's one this week on SmackDown. So Yeah, I mean, they're on the poster, aren't they? So one would assume that they will comprise one half of the men's match. And thank God thank God they've got Reigns on Survivor Series and doing the war games because, you know, the the bloodline are the hottest act in the company. They should they should be in the match. It should sure. be. So, Agreed. Absolutely. Um, Listen, inside the magazine.com is where you can go and pre-order issue 27 with Finn's explosive Jim Cornette interview with Jim on the cover uh, as well. Tony can consume if he wants to, is the quote. Um, plenty for people to to delve into with that. It's, it's a great issue. I've just preferred the whole thing yesterday. So, um, yeah, very, very good issue. I hope you guys will check it out. And Patreon is the best way you can support us. Um and make sure that us watching things like Rebellion 2002 is not in vain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, we're doing this for your benefit. I know. Make sure we can, we can pay the heating bill to keep the heat on, to keep the TV on, to watch Rebellion. Um, That's it. You know, we need for the paracetamol, you know, for the you know, other substances we need to get through these shows. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we, we, we just appreciate all your support um, and there's stuff going up almost every day. So please do go check it out whether it's me and Sandra doing uh, retro Raw and Smackdown reviews every week. Finn comes in for the pay-per-views every month. Finn and I do an overrun every week. We're just about, we're just about to record one right now where we take your questions because people were very, uh, very nice to put questions in because I'm away this week. So I don't have an issue of power slam in front of me. But yeah, please do go pledge over there. It really does mean a lot. It means that we can keep doing all these podcasts. So, Ben. We absolutely appreciate all your pledges. Thank you very much. So, uh, yeah, 25 years ago today was the Montreal screw job. And, uh, you know, if I were you, if you've not got issue 41, Finn doesn't have it, so he can't even punt it to you. But uh, <laughs> I'd be going on eBay today because I guarantee there'll be people looking for that issue right now. And, um, 
if you're lucky enough to pick it up, it's 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 a rite of passage. I, I wonder, I wonder, Kenny, if Bret Hart has that issue framed on the he, wall in his does. house. I bet he does. I bet he does. I need to ask him that the next if we do another tour with him or something. I need to ask him. Anyway, <laughs> uh, want to thank you for all your support, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.